You're listening to the Beaver Tales podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. I really think that Oregon State is going to be part of me for the rest of my life, and it really has impacted me more than, you know, I probably will ever really acknowledge. It's more than just school. It's more than just a sport. It, it really does shape who you are, what you're going to do after, and I, I'm really appreciative of, of that time. This is the Beaver Tales podcast with Josh Wharton, who has covered Oregon State athletics since 2013. The newest guest on the podcast for episode 94 is Mary Claire Brenner, a two-sport athlete at Oregon State, wrapped up her playing career about eight years ago in 2013. I really love this era for the, for Oregon State, the early 2010s. I kind of focus a lot on this era, maybe just because it was a really special time in Oregon State sports in of itself, partially just because that's when I was in high school. I graduated in 2013 from Corvallis High and so I was watching a whole bunch of Oregon State sports and really looking up to a lot of these athletes who are just a couple years older than me and so it's been really fun to talk with a lot of people from Roberto Nelson to Megan Miller to Angus Brandt and now Mary Claire Brenner. Now Mary Claire played two sports mostly softball. She started 93 games mostly in the outfield for OSU. She came down from Jesuit High School in Portland to play softball, broke the school record with three home runs one game in 2010. She was the conference player of the week when she belted six home runs in five games. She was an all-pack 12 performer and then after four years on the softball team, she tried her hand at a whole new sport. She did she did field events, throwing all three implements, javelin, shot put, and discus, and uh, became the first person in 25 years. Oregon State hadn't had throwers for a long time. And so she, she did two sports. She's also got an athletic family. Uh, her parents were swimmers. Her younger sister, Elizabeth, was a five-sport athlete at University of Oregon. And her younger brother played football at U of O as well. And so she's got uh, some mixed, uh, you know, fandom. She's an Oregon State Beaver through and through, but she'll, you know, freely admit, I do also, you know, have rooted for the Ducks at times. And who can blame her, after all, with two younger siblings uh, competing for U of O? If there's any pass that anyone gets for rooting for Oregon, uh, Mary Claire certainly gets that. She now lives in Hawaii. She was a marine mammal trainer for a while, training dolphins. And then the last couple of years, she's been a flight attendant uh, with Hawaiian Airlines. Uh, we actually found out that she knew my brother. Uh, my brother lives in Hawaii, and they had ran into each other, not to mention some connections from, gosh, about 40 years ago with our parents. In fact, Mary Claire, when I was a kid, used to come over to our house and jump on the trampoline that my family had in the backyard, Mary Claire and her siblings. And so uh, we didn't talk about that too, a, a little bit in the podcast, a couple of those connections, but we were chatting mostly about that off the air. So there's some, just some fun Oregon State connections. Beaver Nation is big and it is close and it's a small world and and all that. So that's that's real fun. All right, let's get to this conversation with former Oregon State softball player and track and field competitor, a thrower in Mary Claire Brenner. From a little bit west and south of me from Hawaii, Mary Claire Brenner joins me. Mary Claire, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm great. I'm really excited to be on here today. 
We've already had some fun catching up and realizing some fun family connections that you've met my brother in Hawaii, that our parents go way back, stories that I didn't even know until recently and especially today. Um, but I'm sure a lot of that fun stuff will come up. Uh, how about life right now for you? How, how's life treating you? What's what's Hawaii looking like so far in 2021 for you in particular? Yeah, so it's it's definitely a little different than it's been in years past. I mean, Hawaii is always beautiful and great weather, but I am currently furloughed for work. So I am a flight attendant for Hawaiian airlines and, you know, with the travel industry as it is right now with COVID, we're on a little bit of a pause. So doing what I can for my company and taking some time off and I'm just ready and hoping for everything to go a little more back to normal and start seeing the world again. Yeah. I remember when you were at OSU, one of the goals you said you had, and maybe there was different, you know, jobs that you were looking at and maybe, you know, shifted. Everyone kind of has, uh, you know, changes here and there. But at least at one point you you had a hope, and maybe this still exists, of wanting to be an athletic director. And then I saw for a few years, you go to Hawaii and work as a marine mammal trainer. And I'm wondering, how did you get into training dolphins? Yeah, so I studied exercise science, nutrition and fitness, and zoology at Oregon State. So I always kind of had that love for animals and that zoology bit to me. And um, But yes, I was still interested in athletics. So what ended up happening was right after Oregon State, I did an internship with the Pac-12 Network, went down to San Francisco. They had just started up. I was there within their, you know, their first year, and what a cool experience. I mean even seeing from what I had seen there at Pac-12 Network right at the beginning to what they're doing now and just, you know, broadcasting everything in the Pac-12, like, it's awesome. I wish I wish I could have been playing sports when all of my stuff could have been televised, you know, for family and friends. But yeah, so I did that. I found it wasn't quite the right fit for me. And, you know, what better time than right after college to go explore something else? And I said, I want to go see some dolphins. <laughs> So I um, applied and I did an internship and then got a job at Sea Life Park on Oahu and um, ended up working there for four years and training dolphins. And they are just amazing animals. I absolutely love them. I loved my time there. And um, while I was there, I actually had applied for grad school, thought about the sports business, you know, path, and I just could not leave this island. I kind of wanted to, but I was just like, you know what? I think I'm in the right place. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. And yeah, I ended up staying. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, I've heard the phrase, you can't teach old dogs new tricks, right? Is that true of dolphins? <laughs> oh my gosh. We had, I mean, from, you know, young newborn dolphins up to dolphins in their fifties and all of them were learning new tricks. I mean, they are so incredibly smart. There was days where, you know, we had to be careful because like they would be a few steps ahead of us on something. It would be like, wait, like who's training who here? Like who's trying to get what they want? <laughs> they just, they really are incredible. I mean, you know, it's like humans or dogs, you know, some are a little brighter than others and some learn a little quicker than others, but Really, I wouldn't limit them in any capacity like they, you know, if you have an idea of something of um, something you wanted to train them, then 
they're going to be able to do it. And if you have the right techniques and using positive reinforcement, you've always got fish on hand. It's going to happen. <laughs> Is there, are there parallels? Not that you've got a family of your own yet, but of parenting and dolphin training. Are there some parallels there? <laughs> Maybe, you know, I did a lot of babysitting while I was dolphin training as well, just because I was not making a lot of money <laughs> and I would find myself using some techniques. <laughs> I always had Skittles on hands with the kids to be like, okay, you guys make sure you pick this up and I'll give you a Skittle. <laughs> and I'd be like, Oh, you know, kind of like with the dolphins, like do this behavior and I'll give you a fish. Okay. <laughs> you gotta make sure you don't accidentally give the kids the fish and the dolphins yes. the Skittles. I don't, I don't think yeah. that would motivate them as much, but <laughs> I, yeah, that probably wouldn't work as well. <laughs> So there were some desires to go into college athletics. There was some desire to go into more of the zoology route. Now you're doing some flight attending, Hawaiian Airlines, going to travel the world a little bit, hopefully be able to, to go back to that in due time. But in terms of your hopes of what kind of career path and what you want to accomplish, what sort of roles you want to do, uh, what's kind of your vision and hopes for what uh, might be down the road for you? Yeah, you know, I've, I've really been enjoying working for Hawaiian Airlines. Um, like you just said, I'm able to see the world with this career and it's such a flexible job. It's not really something I had thought about growing up. Um, I do have a lot of family in the Air Force that are pilots and I really wish it was something I had kind of looked into a little bit more and gone either maybe to flight school and become a pilot. But, you know, right now I just see it as a job that I will be able to have a family with and I will be able to you know, still travel and go see my family in Oregon and still live here in Hawaii. So I'm, I'm just happy to be at this company and I hope that I can be with them for a long time and, and then, yeah, start a family and yeah, and have some other goals too. But yeah, career wise, I think, I think this is it for me. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. That's, that's cool to, to find that spot and find a place that you love. And it's clear as much as the job kept you in Hawaii, Hawaii itself has kept you there and, <laughs> and uh, yes. the islands. So that's, that's cool. Going back to your time at Oregon State a little bit, you spent four years playing softball and had a great career there, started almost 100 games in your career. The fifth spring you had at OSU, you became the first Oregon State <laughs> athlete in 25 years to compete in, in the throwing events. You did all of them, javelin, discus, shot put. How did that work out to make that decision? I mean, to play a sport in the same season and just say, yeah, I'll go out for track and field. Why not? How did that work out? Yeah, so I was inspired a little bit by my sister. My sister um, threw javelin at Oregon along with her other sports. So I was kind of like, okay, that could be fun. She had gotten the opportunity to start that in high school, and I, I never did. It was all softball. And then um, with my classes, I kind of got bumped to doing a fifth year at Oregon State. Didn't quite get everything done. And I was like, man, what am I going to do a whole year without athletics? And um and that new track is right there by the softball field. So I was watching it going up and I actually lived in Park West right across the street. So I'm looking at the track every day <laughs> and I kind of just was like, you know what, I'm going to go talk to the track coaches. I'm going to go see if, you know, that new shot area, if they're going to actually be doing shot put this year, if they're going to be throwing discus, throwing jab. So uh, I went into the office and they were like, Oh, well, do you, have you thrown, do you know these events? And I was like, no, but I've, thrown a lot of softballs like a lot <laughs> and so they were able to find some volunteer coaches and 
yeah, they, it was awesome. They brought me right into the family and I learned the basic for all three of those events. And I definitely wouldn't say I was great at it, but <laughs> it was really fun to compete and just like open the door back up for throwing events to come back to Corvallis, you know, and now they do, they have like throwers in every event and really highly skilled throwers at that. So it's, it's pretty cool to see that, you know, me not really knowing much about the sport and just getting to help bring it back and yeah, and have some fun. That's awesome. I, I remember when I was a kid uh, doing like the the Hershey's track meet, like the all comers track meets where just anybody can come and do whatever. <laughs> they had throwing events, but they're not going to give nine year olds a javelin. So the the throwing events usually was a softball. And that was that was the throwing event. I, I wish they had that for you at OSU. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure you would have been great at that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I think I would have been a lot better if it actually was a softball. <laughs> but I mean, it was just so much fun. I ended up being able to throw against my sister in a few track meets. Uh, I think it was at one meet in Corvallis and then one meet in Eugene. So that was really fun to throw alongside her. Yes, she did beat me both times, but it was really fun. And I even got to go to the, you know, the Pac-12 tournament. And that was, I mean, I had never gotten to go to USC because they don't have softball. So that was such a cool event and I just really enjoyed it. I was surrounded by great people and it was a it was a really nice send-off for me at Oregon State. Yeah. yeah. I'm no <laughs> compliance expert or eligibility expert, uh, but I know normally with the NCAA, you know, they're very strict. Four years, you redshirt, you get a fifth year. Do you know how that did you have to go jump through some hoops to get a fifth year? I mean just it's not like most people, well, I don't know. How, how did that work eligibility-wise? So pretty much the only reason I knew it would work eligibility-wise is because of my sister. <laughs> because my sister has competed at, with so many sports at University of Oregon. I knew that you could have four years of eligibility in one sport and you could have an additional fifth year in another. Um, the way my sister kind of ended up doing all of hers, she competed for five whole years at Oregon and just pretty much doing none of her sports, she did more than four years. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. So yeah, so like her fifth year, she didn't do any volleyball because she had done volleyball the four, yeah, the four years before that. And um, yeah, that was kind of how I knew I could do it because I knew how she was planning out her time and which sport she was doing each year. And so that's, I had talked to my parents and they were like, yeah, go for it. You have the year, you can do a totally, and they were actually trying to encourage me to do volleyball. And I was like, ah, I don't know if I, I can compete with <laughs> with them on that side, but yeah, an individual sport worked out great so that I could, yeah, learn kind of on my own pace and get to know that. So, and to do two sports meant you went from 20% of the sports Liz played at Oregon to 40%. Uh, you did yes. two out of she did five, which that's pretty good. Exactly. I was like, see, Elizabeth, I can do it a little bit too. <laughs> you know, and I'm the older sister. So I'm like, it's hard, you know, when the younger sister keeps beating up on you on all these things. <laughs> so I had to, I had to show her I had a little bit of it too. <laughs> that's crazy that so she played five different sports. Obviously, none of them were football. So that meant six different programs were represented there and then two at Oregon State. So eight different programs in the state of Oregon. Brenner kids were on those yes. teams. That's absurd. Yes, <laughs> it was pretty fun. I, we 
man, I can't even imagine how many games my parents went to <laughs> over the time that we were all in college. It's yeah, we really should have tried to keep track of that better or just like the mileage of, <laughs> you know, flying and driving and all of that. It's, yeah. it, was, it was pretty cool. And the funny thing is you and I have this in common. Your parents were, were also athletic, but the sports that they were into, you know, like your dad was, a, I think both your parents, right, swam in college. And yet of all the sports you competed in, at least for you, I don't know how much Liz swam or anything, but swimming wasn't one of the 30 yeah. different sports you've excelled in. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, both my parents um, swam collegiately. And um, they actually did coach us in swimming, uh, CYO swimming back in the day. So through eighth grade. So all three of us kids did swim through eighth grade. And I even swam club for a few years at the MAC, the Multnomah Athletic Club in Portland. But, you know, I think we just, all three of us, we just liked ball sports. I don't know. We just couldn't, I don't know, or maybe just like the team atmosphere. You know, swimming's definitely more individual sport. And yeah, we just, none of us decided to continue through high school or college with swimming. So it, I think it broke my parents' heart a little bit, but they enjoyed watching us play all the other sports that, yeah, they were supportive of whichever ones we chose. So your dad swam at Montana. Where did your mom compete at? Uh, St. Kate's <laughs> in Minnesota. <laughs> Is that your dog? <laughs> That's an Sorry. adorable dog. No, that's okay. <laughs> this is my uh, COVID dog, my COVID puppy. <laughs> Sorry, he just woke up from a nap, so he wanted to tell me that he's awake. <laughs> that's great. What's his name? His name is Vino. <laughs> Vino, that's awesome. Yeah, we actually named him after Kobe Bryant um, because of his nickname, or for him saying that he aged like fine wine in his sports. <laughs> So we named him Vino. Yeah. That's good. That's a good name. As we were talking about earlier, like, so your dad swam at Montana and then coached at Montana. I, I, that was a pretty fun, funny story that, that my mom shared to me that they both applied for the head coaching job at Montana. And, and it was your dad that got it. And it worked out for my mom in the end. She ended up getting the Oregon State job. But that, that was funny how, how far they went back. You know, that is a great story. And I never heard that story. And I always you know, my, my dad passed away a few years ago and just getting to hear any stories that I haven't heard about him, just they truly make my day. And that one is, that's so cool because I know, you know, I knew that our families had connections going back to Oregon, but I had no idea it was all the way back to Montana. So yeah. that was great. Thank back you for that day. story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that was pretty funny and, and pretty cool. Um, Let's talk uh, some things that have made an impact on you both at OSU and since then. Um, usually, we, you know, I'll ask questions about like life lessons learned after OSU, but I know at least in one area, um, being at OSU, like the Beavers Without Borders trip, I'm sure was pretty impactful. You got to go with, um, you were listening off some of the athletes who you went with to, to Macedonia. Who did you go with? And then what was significant about that trip for you? Yeah, that trip was so awesome. You know, it, you know, when you're an athlete, you don't really get the opportunity to study abroad, right? And that was something that was really interesting to me. And I wanted to do that. So when the opportunity came up for Beavers Without Borders, I was just like, I have to do this. Like, I am so sold. I want to do this trip. And it was, you know, it was a big commitment. We had to pretty much, we had to individually fundraise, um, I think, 
at the time, I don't know, it was probably over a couple grand or something because, you know, we did it through Habitat for Humanity. So you had to fundraise individually to be able to pay for all the materials and everything that was going to help build the second story onto this home. And um, yeah, I mean, the, <laughs> I was so lucky the group I went with, you don't get to choose, you know, everyone just kind of on their own decided who wanted to join and a few names off the top, um, Roberto Nelson, Joe Burton, um, Jen Kessler. Um, oh my goodness, who else? Uh, Kristen. You know, everyone's like married now, so I have to like remember like their <laughs> new last names. <laughs> um, Kristen, well, it was, was Kristen Carmichael, but anyway, um, just the group of people that went, like it was so much fun. And none of us really knew what to expect. It was a opportunity that none of us had done. None of us had really gone out of the country a whole lot, let alone for a service trip. And um, just to really immerse in that culture and to get to help a family out and to get to know some other athletes from different sports. Yeah, it was just great. Absolutely loved it. I don't know if this is a question anybody else would think to ask or even care about, but I know the NCAA is real, you know, real strict about boosters and taking money and all that stuff. If you're fundraising for a trip, which that would be allowed, I I'm obviously would be allowed, but I, I bet, did they coach you and like, you got to fundraise, but you can't use your status as an athlete to get oh money. Like, was there some gray area there? I'm trying to remember what we did. Um, we like had a meeting and um, in that meeting, they pretty much just kind of said, okay, write a letter and in the letter, explain what you're doing and see what they'll give. And I pretty much just sent all my letters out to family, friends, um, friends of my brother and sister, friends that my parents worked with, that kind of thing. And that ended up working out, but yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> that kind of is maybe a little bit of a gray area because, but maybe just because being Corvallis, sorry, my puppy's talking. <laughs> That's okay. um, maybe still just being like that kind of smaller school feel, maybe it, they didn't really worry about it, but I, I'm not sure, man. Or maybe well, it, some things were happening. I, I didn't know. It, apparently it worked out and the NCAA never, never got you. So yeah. And I mean, the money was going for a good cause for pretty much charity, you know, through Habitat for Humanity. So yeah. it was a write-off for people. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, how about other kind of takeaways and, and areas of growth for yourself? Um, been about seven, almost eight years now since you finished up your fifth year and, and been able to travel a little bit, not just to Hawaii, but around the world being a flight attendant, done a couple of different jobs, had a lot of roommates, you know, a lot of life experiences. What what would you say is kind of the area where you are the most different than the 2013 version of yourself, an area of growth, something you've learned? Uh, what kind of stands out to you? Oh, man. I mean, I am very thankful for my time in Oregon State. And I think the farther away I get from it, it's like even more so because you don't realize when you're in college just how like special, you know, that time is. And as you get older and you're just kind of like, man, I, I kind of wish I was back at that time where, you know, it was school and such a supportive community and, um, you know, the athletics. I think with that, yeah, I'm just really thankful that I had that opportunity to be at Oregon State to get school paid for and done. And, 
the opportunity to meet people from, I mean, really from all over the world and to just make those lasting friendships. I mean, I still, I'm still watching Oregon State football. I'm still watching Oregon State basketball, Oregon State softball. You know, I mean, like I said, Pac-12 Network makes it so easy to stay connected to our sports and to our conference. And I just, I really think that Oregon State is going to be a part of me for the rest of my life. And it really has impacted me more than, you know, I probably will ever really acknowledge because it's just, it's, it's more than just school. It's more than just a sport. It, it really does shape who you are, what you're going to do after. And I, I'm really appreciative of, of that time. Yeah. That so, sometimes you don't, you don't realize what you had until you lose it. Right. And, and maybe Oregon state sports was like that for you. Was there a moment in 2013 or sometime after that, where you were no longer an athlete, you had your, your five years made the most of it, not just four, but five <laughs> years and, and got that worked out. But was there a moment where you realized, oh, wow, I, I need to find my identity somewhere else. My, my fulfillment came a lot from that. Or did, was the transition pretty easy? How did that go? Um, that transition wasn't too bad for me because, you know, I had been the oldest in my family. I really had been working and playing sports since, well, even before 16, because, you know, I was babysitting, doing all kinds of stuff. But I really always was kind of like driven to something past sports mostly because, um, you know, being a female athlete, it is harder too to have that professional career afterwards. And, you know, I always worked hard at my sports and I always um, was highly competitive, but I also was realistic in the fact that, you know, that's probably not going to be my next step in life to be playing professional. And um, so I, I always kind of was looking towards after college and what I was going to do next. Now, I didn't always know what that was going to be, but I was always trying to network and make connections and volunteer and just do what I could to set myself up for what was coming next and, you know, show that I was a hardworking and that no matter what path was going to be next, that I was going to try really hard and try my best to be successful at what was headed my way. So, yeah. Okay, let's end with a fun question. Uh, this is going to come out of left field a little bit. So uh -oh. I'll ask and then you can take as long as you want to think about it and I can edit right. it to make sure to make it look like you answered right after I asked Ooh, it. So okay. uh, take, take your time if you want. So on your very first game at Oregon State on the softball team and your first at bat on the first pitch of your career, okay. you hit a double. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, no. Pretty fun, but it's okay if you don't remember that. The question is inspired by that moment, but not specifically related to that moment. Um, so that's a great way to start your career. If you had the power to go back to OSU and do one cool athletic thing, like you know, hit a hit a double in your pitch, it could be hit a three-pointer in, in a basketball game for Oregon State. It could be block <laughs> your sister in a volleyball match. I mean, it could be, it could be anything. What's, oh. what's one thing you would do in an Oregon State uniform? Oh, man. That, yeah, that's hard. I mean, as much as I would have liked to, like, you know, shove something back at my sister, <laughs> I don't think I would choose, like, it's hard to compete against your sister, you know, so I Fair probably enough. wouldn't do that. I would really just want to relive um, – the game that I had, it was, I think it was on Valentine's Day, my sophomore year, where I hit three home runs. 
And that feeling I had that game, I didn't even feel like, you know, there's certain times when you're swinging and hitting that you just don't even feel it. And the ball just goes and you're not overthinking it and you're not working too hard. You know, it's just like everything is in line, right? You're just like in that headspace, And I don't know what it was about that game, but I had it and it didn't matter. I think it was three different pitchers. Even it didn't matter who was coming up, but if I could relive that game and just feel those swings again and feel those at bats, like, oh man, I wish, I wish I had had that like recorded. Like, I wish I could watch it again. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's just that feeling, but yeah. So that, I know that's not really like one instance. It's like a whole game, but <laughs> that, no, that's, that's a good <laughs> one. Like selfish for me for it's kind of just about me, not really the team, but it was just, yeah, I just, I don't know what happened that day. And even like talking to my family after it was like one of the only tournaments that my parents like didn't actually travel to also, which was like, what, why weren't you guys there? But yeah, it was just one of those days. I just had it though. Yeah. Three home runs that, that broke the school record your, your sophomore year. I remember reading a book when I was a kid, Uh, it was called the kid who only hit home runs. That was true of you that day in 2010. That that day was it. And you know, they were mostly changeups, honestly. So I don't know why they kept pitching me (laughs) changeups. Too bad the Pac-12 network had just, that was only like a year or two before the inception of Pac-12 network. That's too bad. I know. And then I could have had it recorded forever. But that's okay. (laughs) All good. (laughs) Well, a lot of fun memories. Mary Claire, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Been really fun to to connect and talk about a whole bunch of stuff. So thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. And go Beavs. Well, that was a really enjoyable conversation for me with Mary Claire Brenner, just a really sweet person. And we talked a fair amount of time before we started the podcast and kept on talking afterwards for a while. It's always fun to to just chat and reconnect. And I recorded this conversation on the same day that I talked with Matt Legrone. I don't know what it is about athletes from that era, Matt, who played football in 09, he became a snake breeder and Mary Claire got into dolphin training. So I don't know what it is about animals and zoology and uh, kind of the off the beaten path animals, but something about that era of Oregon State sports seems to have uh, translated into that industry to a certain degree. But again, thanks to Mary Claire for joining the podcast and best of luck to her and everything she's got going over in Oahu. A quick shout out to Convoy of Hope, one of the many charities I like to sponsor on this podcast. They do amazing work helping people in need both in America and overseas. A lot of disaster relief. Whenever I see a you know newspaper article of this or that disaster, I always think, yeah, who's who can help the most, who can really uh, provide the most resources and do great work there? Well, Convoy of Hope is probably the best charity. Um, and so you can donate now or whenever disasters happen, uh, you can think of Convoy of Hope. Uh, I'll put their website in the description. Thanks again for tuning in to the Beaver Tales podcast. A lot more fun guests coming up as we near episode 100. Let me know if you've got a suggestion for uh, who should be the century mark on the podcast. Until next time, everybody, I've been your host, Josh Warden. You can get in touch with me. I'll put my email in the description as well. Have a great day, everybody. Good night and go Beavs. <laughs>